spoken maybe. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Andy Ann's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional materials. You wake up one morning after not reading a book since your school days and you decide to be a writer. With no good or bad writing to compare against your own, you just know how to write and anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. Hell, maybe they're jealous of your natural ability to craft the masterpiece. After all, most people need to learn through a combination of books, courses, critical feedback and workshops. Not you though. It's not their fault. They don't realise your natural talent, but they soon will. How to Write Wrong is the new book by Amanda Steele. The book, which is an interactive story, gives the reader multiple options throughout its story. The book can be purchased from Amazon. Spoken Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label all one word, spoken label dot bandcamp.com. On the bandcamp it is set as pay what you want, so you are entitled if you wish you can download it or stream it for nothing. But if you throw me a couple of pennies my way, it is always eternally grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running plots for the podcast. Enjoy. Spoken label. Hi guys, and the end. Spoken label on a Sunday afternoon. Back in this, back in this again on Zoom. I've got a gentleman with me today, uh, all the way from my old hometown of Stratford. I've said he's born Old Trafford, really. And Paul, who I'm introducing in this, I can't remember when I first met you, Paul. When was it? It was a few years back, wasn't it? Um, I remember doing a thing at um, the <laughs> Jam Street, above the Jam Street. There was like yes. a sort of poetry session thing. There was you and me, Chris Jam, um, oh, um, an American fella whose name I can't remember, um, and the guy who ran I'm Not a Silent Poet, who's, who's passed away now. What was oh, he Ruben, called? Ruben Woolley. Oh, yeah. Ruben, a lovely fella. Yeah, yeah, really, really good oh, yeah. poet. Big fan um, of Ruben was, yeah. Yeah, so that's the first time I remember meeting you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, know, we'd, I know we'd heard your name. I heard your name a few times before that, so it's a case of anyone knows us, we've got four seasons with me today. Now, that said, it's much such a big circuit. You hear names sometimes when you meet people. And I've definitely seen Paul Reed a few times in various more larger nights. And it's, that's what I love at you, Paul. When you go on stage, your persona on stage is completely different than I think what you see in person sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, it is. It's all just an act, of course. Everything is, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you were telling me on um, Mike before, obviously, so I want people to hear the story. Now, you started reckoning that you performed around about 1993. Well, you were living in Swansea, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I used to be a drugs worker in Swansea, and um, 
like I was saying to you before, I, I, I only started writing when I was in my early 20s because at school um, and, you know, before my early 20s, I mean, I wanted to write. I was, I'm, I'm very dyspraxic, so I couldn't actually do handwriting very well. Um, so I couldn't really do any creative writing. I bought a word processor when I was 23 and I just went bananas with it um, and wrote tons of, <laughs> wrote tons of poems uh, very, very quickly. And then I went to um, work in Swansea for a little bit and met a guy there called Sid Howells, who ran a little publishing imprint called the Fuku Press and he published some of my stuff. And he had me supporting his band, The Disasters, at various dingy, skanky pubs in, in Swansea. Um, so that was my start, really. And then a year or two later, I was back in Manchester and I started going to the um, the Frog and Bucket Nights, the, um, what's it called, Commonwood. Yeah, There's Commonwood. a poetry slam there. Yeah. Um, it's, you look back now in those days, don't you? Because like, Commonwood's still going. Cause I, was to, I know I've interviewed the workshop Jackie Hagen used to do in there, Bay Old Face. Like, it, was, yeah. it was great yeah, fun yeah. it was those days, were certainly so. And um, we were talking that just obviously then, basically, you came out before that um, I first... I went to watch a few of them. I never actually performed. It was some years later I started. But I also, we both were at talk about creep voices and ghosts, creatures in the night, weren't we? Open mic. And you were talking yeah, about well, a lot of the people that came out of those nights, weren't you as well? So. Yeah, well, like I said, there was Mike Gary, I remember very well from then. And he used to go under the name Holden Caulfield for some bizarre reason. I don't know why. Um, there was Chloe Poems. There was Jerry Potter in a wig. Um, there was a fantastic Carol Batten, um, Bish. Um, a bloke called Carl, I was just about to, to, to talk about him before, wasn't I? The, um, yeah. There was this sort of strange Jewish guy from North Manchester who was always really drunk and he'd get kicked out of poetry nights half the time for heckling people. But his routine was like watching, um, you know, Wait for Godot or something like that. It was um, incredible sort of one-man dramaturgy and I've no idea what happened to him. He's, he's, I think he's probably the most memorable poet of, of all the ones that I've ever seen in Manchester. He yeah. was like a little Samuel, Samuel Beckett in the body of an obese, drunken oh. Jewish guy. Oh, I've definitely never seen him. I'd love to see him. If anyone knows who he is and where he is, get him to get well, in the, contact the, with him. Yeah, well, this is it. The only person I can actually corroborate his existence with is, um, is, is Charlie Pink, who remembers him as well. Oh, um, blimey, but Charlie's but there's, only, there's, only, there's only me and Charlie who can actually remember him. Otherwise, he's just a sort of mythical creature. Yeah, I love um, Charlie. I, I love Charlie. Like, he's a fantastic guy. And uh, yeah. everyone who's not seen him with his duo with David Dazza, Darren Lee Gilmore, check him out. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's been, he's a really, really, he's coming to his own, I think, as, as an absolutely beautiful songwriter. Yeah. Um, you know, the last few years. He really has, that's for sure. Oh, God, yeah. And he lives up, he lives to Bay Dunlop, far from you then, does he, Charlie? Even I'm thinking about it. He's in Hume. Yeah, he's, he's Hume, isn't he? He's got to be Hume based. Yeah, yeah. Also, he's Hume based. Yeah. Yeah. Always, yeah, always, yeah. Always a, you always have, you find Paul, don't you? You meet, you get so lost some people. I've only met Charlie about 10, 15 times. It's always a pleasure when I see him. He's such a nice bloke. That's why. Yeah, he's always... a lovely guy, and he's one of those people I've actually been around, you know, in gigs with him, and I've done, I've done gigs with him years and years before I knew him, you know. Um, and it's just one of them things that it's just like, well, do you do that one or were you at that one? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah you do. Is like, have you found in over the years since you started the following Paul? Has your approach to your way you, you perform and your work changed much? Has it? Uh, it has. I mean, when I was younger, um, it was a mixture of abject terror and alcohol. Um, and and I think as I've got older, I've got a lot more relaxed and calm. I don't get stage fright so much anymore. Um, that's probably taken the edge off what I do a little bit. Um, I think I'm probably better in a lot of ways. Um, I don't feel as motivated to perform as, as much and as often as I used to do, really, because I've done it 
for so long and in so many different contexts um, over the years that, um, you know, after a while, I think you sort of reach your point where, you know, you're quite, I'm quite happy to be in the, the audience these days for the most part, but I, I do like performing sometimes. If, if there's, for specific things, you know. You yeah, I get you, know, I get, I get you I mean. So like, you know, also you had the Elias and Reverend Paul, didn't you, going around for some years as well? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of involvements with larger organisations. I mean, I was involved in, in Speakeasy, um, which was, you know, there's, there's me, um, Shagan Lee French, Chris Jam, Shirley May, um, friend Jade F and Colin with, with the musicians. Um, Chan Jay Kunde was involved. Um, a lot of people who went on to do some, some really, really impressive stuff. Um, and it was the sort of multicultural poetry and music collective. We collaborated with each other as poets as well as with the musicians and we produced a lot of sort of themed shows at the green room um, and then contact theatre and band on the wall as well um, so I was involved in that and then at the same time I met a chap called Stuart Crozier from a band called Superstring and we formed a band called Rev Paul and the Voice of God um, which had anywhere between two and seven people in it with a horn section and all sorts. I've, um, seen, I've seen you twice and I think it was once with the Three of you, another time with seven of you. Right. So that was right, that, yeah, yeah, that was completely a... different experiences. That's for sure. With it, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did a lot of stuff with, with musicians as well for, for a long time. Um, in terms of actually just doing spoken word stuff on its own, um, like I say, it's difficult for me because I've always been um, more of a collaborator, really, with people. Um, you know, and I find actually just doing, I mean, although I have played poetry sets on my own, you know, quite quite a lot as well. Um, there's not really the same satisfaction in in that to me as there is with, with you know, working up a whole piece with, with a whole bunch of other people, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, completely. I've done a couple of bands over the years and it's, I think, it's took me a while to get used to it again after the last band packed up. And I've never had the impetus to go and do another one after that, so... I know what you mean. It's like it's, you get a different buzz, don't you? There's four or five of you on the stage. It's you're doing like an orchestra almost. I think. Like well, it's, it's, it's part of a thing, isn't it? It's a social thing too, isn't it? Well, you know, I mean, it's been out there with a, a bunch of mates, and um, and also I think just in terms of our, our, the, the the sort of um, the sort of gigs that you get as well, I think are, are more more varied at least in in that sort of context. Oh yeah, poetry. completely. Yeah. Completely. What's the what's the strangest gig you've done? Because I know you've done so many over the years of, of musicians and stuff. I've done a gig to one. Per, I've done a gig to one person. <laughs> a whole poetry set to a to a really really unimpressed fellow in a bar who just kept on shouting out the names of John Cooper Clark poems at me to do that one. I married a monster from outer space. Do that one. I don't know that one. I just know mine. Uh, oh. that, that that was quite appalling. Um, played a festival in Wales with a band and, and the stage just got completely taken over by these crusties. Like there were just these complete hippies and punks and stuff just, just joined in on various instruments. And um, <laughs> I don't think, you know, I mean, I'm playing a gig at Band on the Wall as well one time with Speakeasy when just like other people just joined in. They just got on stage and just started singing and rapping and God knows what. And it's just like, oh, but I just carried on. It was, you know, that was, that was interesting. Oh, I've got a good one. I'll give you just one of my quick stories here. That, um, some years ago, um, I ended up doing a gig over at um, a gig in an independent record shop in Brighton. I knew a lot of these few people down that way. Right. And um, I had an incomplete, all I had of it was an incomplete story. 
And then he managed, someone managed to persuade um, a cello player to come and join me. Right? Um, oh, guitar yeah, I pedals and a cello. And a sitar player that played them and loop pedal and his, his sitar. So the poem did an improvised noise set over the top of my incomplete story, which oh, basically cool. means it was interesting because I didn't, I didn't know that I had no ending for the story. So basically, yeah. I had to stand there and improvise. It was like 20 minutes with this. And by the end of it, I was going to be I mean, I love that sort of thing. I think yeah. any, any sort of unusual collaborations or whatever. My, my friend Jadev, when he did his composition, MA, who's a composer for theatre and radio, um, I did the libretto for his, for his composition. And that as a project, you know, was a, an interesting thing. Um, I've got a commission at the moment for, for Mr. Scruff to write something for him. Um, we did a thing for GM COVID commissions, which was me and a filmmaker and musician called Clive Hunt. Um, so it's, it's things like that, that, you know, um, where, where you're commissioned with a theme and, and you've got people to work with, you know, that, that, that to me, that's, that's the sort of area that I like working Yeah, in. yeah, I think you do. Because I think you, you do those sort of commission ones like you're doing there. You get something out of it. Like it's, I think as writers, I always believe you've got to have new experiences all the time. So otherwise you just end up standing still. I mean, you're yeah, right in the sense of like, do lots of other people, you learn stuff from all the time. Definitely with that mm. one. So, is have you got much going on at the moment, creative wise? Then, have you over lockdown, or was it? Well, like I say, it's been quiet on the whole. Like I say, there was, there was that GM uh, COVID commissions thing. Um, there's this thing with Mr. Scruff coming up. Um, maybe, maybe some more work with JDF because um, he's, he's moving in as my lodger in the next few weeks. So, you know, oh, perfect. Then try and <laughs> pin him down for doing some stuff with me. Oh yeah, um, can't escape it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's a funny thing, this is, because it's we live in quite extreme times, but I don't find it's a very stimulating environment for, for me to, to to write to, really. And I think about the sort of bland times that we used to live in, and everybody's very complacent, going, yeah, everything's all right and lovely, and that used to really rub me the wrong way. And I used to come out with, all, you know, my best stuff, just like basically going, how dare you be so complacent, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas these days, it's just absolutely relentlessly horrible all the time. Um, and there isn't very much you can say about that, really, apart from just look after yourself a bit. Yeah. Or you do like a Twitter line probably saying, it's shit, it's shit, it's shit. Yeah, it's shit. Everybody knows it's shit. That's the thing. It's shit for everybody. Um, and I, I don't really like stating the obvious, you know. Yeah, you know. I can believe you like it. I think it's poets, don't you? Like it's, I've known a few people, like creative people, like I haven't wrote at all for six months or so now. God's like, we yeah, haven't yeah. been dropped up until March and. So there's quite, it'd be interesting to see when things return to some kind of normality. What happens to these creative people? Will people go back to it or will they pack it in? You don't, you just don't know a lot at the moment, do we? So. Well, I think the thing is as well, you need um, something to write for, don't you? I mean, if you, if you know that there's some poetry nights coming up, if that's what you do, then, then that gives you something to write for. You know, if you've got gigs coming up or you've got, you know, you know that people will be commissioning at some point for, for live performances, then that keeps you going. But at the moment, where we've got no idea what's going on, there isn't any impetus, really. No. You know, um, And all that does it for me these days, like I say, is somebody belling me and saying, you know, I'll give you some money to do this by this date. And oh, all right, and off I go. Um, <laughs> I've been like that with music to the past six months because mm. I've done quite a few bits and pieces because my people asking me, oh, can you do us an album from a label? Okay. <laughs> stuff yeah, like yeah. that, yeah. You do yeah, not yeah. less summer writing, but I'm steady with it more than anything else. So yeah, yeah I think yeah. right. It's time to time to a very very new situation at the moment. 
that's for sure of it. So, mm-hmm. no, like I said, lots of my philosophy is let's wait and see what happens next, don't we? So, Paul, definitely on that yeah, one. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, if people want to find out more about you, where are they best going? Um, there is a band camp for Rev Paul, so it's R E V P O R L, uh, band camp, and then that's got all of the albums on that I did with Stu. Um, there's some stuff on YouTube, some odd bits, really quite, you know, I mean, it's not curated by me at all, um, just things that people have filmed at gigs and stuff. Um, at some point or other, I will get together a proper website with an archive on it. Um, but at the moment, yeah, the, the band camp site's the main one. And I think most of the, the, the better music, there's SoundCloud as well, which has got some sort of demos and outtakes and stuff from other bands on it, um, which is Rev Paul on SoundCloud again. I'll make sure we have a look at that then, definitely. So, when was the last time when you, you, you did your Rev, your Rev Paul stuff as a band? Because we saw you, I saw you on Three Minute Theatre, and that was a few years back. That, that gig. Yeah, that's probably, probably pretty much the last time, I think. Um, well, last time, oh, that was a noise. That was we a did, oh, we did some gig. stuff at no, Moving, um, Moving Festival last year and the year before. We sort of got about a sort of semi speakeasy reunion together and performed there. So, um, yeah, the last time of performing with musicians for me live was at Moving. Um, wow. Look, the, the two consecutive years. Well, let's hope then that Paul definitely the case and things will pick up off probably. I don't want to be this year, but obviously, like, you, you said already, you've got, got your ex-bandmate moving in with your shorts and lodge yourself. It's a great time for you to yeah. sit down and get your album done. Well, definitely, I, so. well exactly. You know, I think we've got, you know, pin, I'll pin him down. Yeah. He's a good cook, so there's, there's, like no, there's, no downside, there's no downside to this at all. <laughs> So, out of interest, and obviously I'm backtracking, when you used to do your music together, how did you mm. used to build up all your pieces then? Was it for existing um, poems of yours, or did you have to work it round? No, I've always written just lots of poems. I mean, I, you know, the, the stuff that I hold in a bands for, you know, that I don't perform or whatever. Um, so people generally sort of write bits of music, um, and I'll just go through the folder and see what fits with it. Um, yeah. So, so all the stuff that we've done, um, I mean, either the stuff that me and Stuart did or the stuff that I've done with JDev or the stuff we did with Speakeasy um, was a case of, I mean, with Speakeasy stuff because the, the shows were themed, it was it was writing a bunch of stuff to a theme, then listening to a few ideas that the musicians have and seeing what fits with what, really. Yeah, um, yeah. And with, with Stuart, it was more of a case of him just, he, he was like a sort of riff machine. He'd just come out with tons and tons of music. So I'd just match what I had as best I could with what he came out with, um, you know. Perfect. I think the thing we're working with Jade if he, he was, is that he wants to make it a little bit more collaborative. We want to make it a bit more collaborative. I'm not really a musician, and I don't have very many sort of strong opinions as to what should happen with things musically, which makes things a little bit awkward. I just say, do what you want, you know. It's not my department. <laughs> yeah, providing you like it, you don't matter too much, does it, really? So. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. No, I get you, mate. Yeah. But anyway, that's all the questions, anyway, Paul. So what we'll do, we'll take a quick break, and when we okay. come back, everybody, Paul's going to do a few poems for us. Hang around. I love, I love him. All's work. Take care, guys and girls. See you in the next Spoken, Hi, guys. It's Andy. I'm still got Paul in. Paul's going to do a couple of poems now. Over to you, my friend. This first poem is called Ravens. Hunkered down inside the dawn, trapped inside the golden light, nameless men with shameless yawning flap and crow to aimless flight. Fitted shirt, symmetric tie, dinner in a metal box, one hunk of loaf, one unripe fruit, another tile falls from the roof. Uneven land, uneven welkin, blubber in a suit that's melting. Christ, we used to run this town. We had our own collective noun. 
another moat falls from the eye, another blind man learns to see through plexiglass and pepper gas and all his life will ever be. While we gather, battered but unbowed, take stock, reflect and swap old tales and booze and blaze until the night pours back, reveals the empty day. While down below us, young ones trail in patterns we've all trailed before. Another tile falls from the roof, a dark unkindness trails the youth. And they say when ravens leave the tower, the king will die, the kingdom fall. I say, no, this world, it's run by ravens, scavengers and vermin all. Another truth prevails the lie, another lie contains the truth. A dark unkindness takes the sky, another tile falls from the roof. Brilliant. Okay, this is the second poem. This is called Man Alive. Sometimes the city gets you sickly, suck in the air between the walls. Sometimes those five fine fingers fail you, that subtle crack as friendship falls. Sometimes you're acting dumb and crazy, push the joke one step too far. Sometimes you're breathy in the darkness, is boring, pinholes in the stars, and sometimes you sing to the sky. Like you're the only man alive. Sometimes you sing to the sky like you're the only man alive. And fortune falls on those who lend it, those who hold it, watch it die. We did better in the old days when we looked kinder in the light. But all the work and all the chaos, the constant round of dop and go, this peery heart that's never heard, and all those things you'll never know, complete the circle. And the sometimes, and we all roll round again. I turn to check my crumpled choir, this band of atavistic men. Sometimes we sing to the sky like we're the only men alive. Sometimes we sing to the sky like we're the only men alive. Yeah, we're still here and we're still singing. But you, you've gone from where you rotted. You're fucking swearing, fucking ringing through those corners where you're slotted. With a sports page and a crossword, a hint of jaundice in your eye. Sometimes this city gets you sickly. And sometimes your friends can make you cry. And sometimes I sing to the sky like you're the only man alive. Sometimes I sing to the sky like you're the only man alive. Great stuff. Brilliant. I, I've heard you do that one a few times over the years, that Paul. So it was one of my favourite songs. Brilliant. Right. Okay. Well, what I'm going to do, uh, this is an old, old poem called Dr. Thirsty. Tan by the fruit of an Afghan sky and 10,000 northern moons. The man high and dry whose hour never came, then it left too fucking soon. And broke left in the dark and blind, as if horses' husks unveiling twines are hanging from around his eyes, marking gravity and loss and time. Marking years on the severance clock, old lovers piled in the corner like soil socks, said he'd clean out his life, but his bedroom's locked. And he never saw the daylight, he could never taste the flavour, never caught the redemption. Flash of the unseen saviour. This note's for you. Calm now, the panic address, the hilt caress, the balance redress. Time to hit the streets and sort out this mess. Fix those fractures with a compound now. Which medicine works best? 
The connoisseur's choice, cheap premium cider to wriggle and tickle and warm up inside. Time to ponder renewal in the groves of Persephone, the, the tenor draw, the trickle of brown honey. And he never saw the daylight, he could never taste the flavour. Stop still at the top of the stairwell to heaven, a farewell to arms and sweet legs eleven. As his heavy set and milky eyes hanging from the sky at night, like the stars on his dressing room door take flight. And he never saw the daylight, he could never taste the flavour, never caught the redemption flash of the unseen saviour. This note's for you. Brilliant. I love it. Excellent. Excellent session, this Paul. So we're on to the big finale now, aren't we? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Could you handle a longer one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine, mate, mate. Okay. You go for it, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll try. Okay, I'll, I'll go I'll go full on Grateful Dead now for ages. Right, hold on. <clears throat> well, I think it's not 40 minutes. I don't mind too much. <laughs> no, it won't be that long. Almost, not quite. I know poets, and they just want attention. Always mincing their words, lisping, pity me. Pity me. I want to be mothered and coddled and fucked by bulimic girls in black dresses and glasses. But I know poets who ran to the hillside after burning their children and all their possessions with their lives in memories, their wives in rucksacks, their poems in prisons. And I know poets, heroic poets, who always write large, who chop oaks with their words, who bellow from clifftops and drown out the temples and flatten whole cities. And I'll shoot for the moon with these pea shooter poems. I'll learn to love through these lines of lycanthropy, putting up stars with these verses of violence, one step ahead of the clocks and the mirrors, reflecting decay in the tide of our stasis. Oh, what a piece of work a man is. What an ugly piece. His greasy fingers swollen as he tears chunks from the feast. As the maelstrom outside threatens to disturb his selfish peace, he takes strips from the sacrifice. He feeds them to his beast that lurks beneath the table. Houdini's favourite pet, who says this ain't peace, it's complacency. The best that you can get. Oblivious, ignoring the rapping at the door, the hundred baying bailiffs, the undeserving poor, the flock of filthy wolverines, feet all broken sore, apocalyptic carol singers singing songs of war, the line of swollen bellies that stretches out of sight, the mountains forged from molehills and a world too fucked to fight. Houdini grips the cord, he pulls the heavy curtains tight. Houdini turns his tunes up, turns that beast out for the night. Houdini dims the light, he pours another glass of gin and turns each clock, each mirror to the wall. Time shall not time him. Time shall not time him. Time shall not time him. And so Houdini doesn't notice when his cardboard walls cave in. When the sucker punches pit his gut, the virus strips his skin. He sold his soul for dreams of peace. Now Houdini's rictus grin and a blind eye turned in ignorance is all that's left of let's break the bread and carve the meat and pour the wine let's call a halt to hostilities this is peace time oh let this world spin on its axis with its axis primed to grind we have no need for enemies this is peace time and the radio is blaring as the meal is being prepared. There's just one tiny voice imploring, man, the whole world's running scared. 
Houdini gets a jug. He pours hot fat into the works, stabs a bugger with a beef skewer, pulls a plug out with a jerk. Let's chew the fat, drain the bar, bolts like swine. Let's raise a toaster around the fireside, brother. This is peace time. Until we rise to stand on legs, walk on feet we cannot find. Leave this party for that darkness and walk the weaving line. We are just ill-bred, fattened stock, fattened stock without a spine. Who cannot see the predator? This is peace time. I am the whirlpool in the ballroom, in the ballroom, stuffed with stuffed shirts, sucking in the venom, spitting out indifference. I am the tempest pushing gentle, pushing gentle at your window till later in the night when you dream your pillow shattered, when you dream those soft down feathers contain all those little fears blinking hard entwined together. I'll be sitting at the fulcrum, at the fulcrum of your chaos, blowing all your hopes around with my spitting of indifference, with my spitting of indifference, laying waste your house of tissue. Please don't think I wish you harm. Please don't think I wish you. I know poets spat out of academies, stacked in neat piles who just write what they're told to. Well, anarchist poets may spite them with acid. It makes Fuck all difference to the nothing they're doing. But I know poets, pictures of laughter, pouring it out through holes in their hearts and they're pouring it out till they're dry, down, beaten, and then crying and crying and lending those tears. And last, the poets who look up their poems, who wipe their blank diaries for traces of feeling. For decade on decade, this abscess is swelling till, lastly, they burst! Their funerals are silent. And I'll shoot for the moon with these pea-shooter poems. I'll learn to love through these lines of lycanthropy, putting up stars with these verses of violence, one step ahead of the clocks and the mirrors, reflecting decay in the tide of our stasis. I am the poet, the poet of panic. Wishbone legged here on the birthbed of poems. See the midwife recoil at the gore on the white sheets as I breathe in this world and I pump out these products. Fantastic. Brilliant, Paul. Great way of finishing that, then, mate. <laughs> really. I can remember the long one. I couldn't remember the much shorter one. It's a typical that sometimes. If people <laughs> wonder what's happened, obviously, like, uh, we had a bit of a hiccup on the last piece originally, so so yeah, it's typical that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it was brilliant, Paul. Thank you again, mate, for today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no worries. Around. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you. I need to speak to you off mic, but this is Andy N. Signing out. Okay. Stay safe, guys. Thank you again, Paul. Goodbye. Bye bye. Spock, mate. <laughs>